Go. The Huskies, fresh off becoming bowl eligible, head to Boulder to take on a Colorado team in year one of a rebuild under Mel Tucker. Both teams are coming off a bye week and coming out victorious two weeks prior. The Buffs snapped a five-game losing streak by beating Stanford by a field goal, keeping their bowl hopes alive. The Husky defense will be tasked with controlling a Colorado offense with weapons that make them potentially dangerous. This is Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast from Sports Illustrated Washington. I'm Trevor. And I'm Jake. Like Strong and Alexander. Strong and Alexander. Max Strong and Sean Alexander. Okay, so bonus points if you know where each of them went to college. Alabama. Who Max Strong is going to be the one that – I'm going to say like TCU. No, it's an SEC school and it's a blue blood. Arkansas. No. (laughs) Sorry, Arkansas. (laughs) (laughs) just kidding (laughs) uh blue blue blood as in like like they're in the top like they're in the top four okay man it's either it's georgia yeah yeah Yeah. he i didn't know that i didn't know that i had to look it up but uh yeah Yeah. anyhow um you said blue blood and i was gonna say kentucky and then i was like nope that doesn't make sense wrong sport who is who um, I'm Sean Alexander. You're Max Strong. Very good. Yeah, that's where I was going to yep, take it. Yep, you're big and strong, and uh, I uh, I'll collect the hardware. Speaking of Huskies, tell us about today's sponsor, Trevor. Beautiful segue, Jake. Today's episode <laughs> is presented by VintageBrands.com. Vintage Brands is part of a sport apparel and gift brand celebrating the rich history of American sport and culture. Their collection includes 10,000 digitally restored, authentic vintage works of art reproduced on apparel, wall art, koozies, drinkware, and more. All November long, they're giving away daily $100 promo codes for new email subscribers. Relive your favorite vintage UW logos, Husky Stadium moments, and Rose Bowls. Use promo code HUSKY19 to get 20% off all products through the end of the year. Jake, I don't know if we can have any more stories about it. We've done this about seven times now. <laughs> I know. Uh, I all I can say is how much I love that. Yep, that's it. Yep. Please, I mean, please I, buy stuff from I, me. I, yeah, I've, I've sold as well as like I'm not a salesman. I'm a construction yep. worker. Damn it. Yep. And you know what? <laughs> You've sold to your heart's content. So Washington, Washington obviously is headed to Boulder. Um, Jake, what's your overall take on the Buffs this year? Colorado, man, <laughs> this team is so unpredictable. I don't know what to think of this team. You know, every time I watch them play they're really really good or they're really really bad they open the year with you know the second game of the year they beat a really good nebraska team and then the next week they drop one at air force and it's kind of been that way all year with them they get blown out by a a really mediocre wazoo team and then the next week they play uh usc really really hard and you and me were both watching that game and we thought that they had that game won until a late touchdown by usc to win the game yeah and, the, and then and then they go to Stanford and they beat a Stanford team that beat us, you know, at Stanford. They, they kind of throttled us at Stanford. So I don't know. I mean, I know a lot about this team, but I if I'm predicting anything Colorado the rest of the year, it's a pure guess because I don't know what Colorado team is going to show up. And that might be because of new coaching 
or it just might be the players, whether they decide to get up or down for that game. I, you know, they just, they, they kind of baffle me. That's kind of a good way to look at them because they, they do have some really good wins. You know, yeah. they, they obviously, they beat up on a Colorado state team, which they should, but you know, that Nebraska game, that was a huge comeback in the second half and competitive in all games. And, you know, you look at the Oregon game, they got blown out. WSU, you, they got blown out. And you really saw the, saw the wheels start to fall off. However, they got USC at home, and they made it a close game. Uh, and then they turn around and they get beat by a UCLA team that's uh, pretty up and down. But then, yeah. obviously, winning on uh, a game-winning field goal against Stanford, that to this day for the rest of the year will be the most baffling loss uh, of Washington's uh, season. It's really interesting in the Pac-12 overall. There's not a single team that's been eliminated from uh, uh, the potential of getting to a bowl game. In Colorado, sitting at four and six, they have to win out. I don't think they're going to. But in Mel Tucker's first year, I think the over-under was two and a half wins. He's surpassed that, and he's got them good on a good trajectory. You know, they have some weapons on the offensive side. Their defense is where really they're, uh, they're getting beat. Now, if Colorado loses this game, that does eliminate the potential for a bowl for them. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I alluded to that earlier that they have to win out. So, Trav, you got a couple of stats for us for Colorado from the offensive and defensive side. Go ahead and share that. Yeah, so I have their their total defensive numbers when it comes to yards given up. Um, I have rushing yards and passing yards for the defense. Their total defense, 119th out of 130 teams in FBS. That's not going to cut it. Um, they're 11th in the Pac-12. Only the only team left uh, worse is, of course, Arizona. Um, we got rushing yards allowed. They're 67th in the nation and ninth in the Pac-12, uh, allowing over 160 yards a game. And then passing yards allowed. This is where uh, hopefully Jacob Beeson is able to take advantage. They're 127th out of 130 teams, and uh, remarkably, that's still only 11th. Arizona's worse. And they're giving up over 300 yards a game. Uh, So there's going to be a lot of places where this Husky offense should be able to take advantage of that if they're able to execute. And that's really what Coach Peterson talked about this um, during this bye week. He watched a lot of games. He really looked at, he talked about some of the issues with the offense, uh, specifically on third downs and scoring points came down to execution. I don't necessarily know how I feel about that, but let's go and say that um, it's an execution issue. If they're able to clear those things up, this is the defense that you should be able to do it against. I, I totally agree with that, but we also thought the same thing against Stanford. Well, I mean, we also thought it against the Beavs, and and frankly, the offense was, outside of uh, Savon Ahmed, didn't do a ton. Yeah. yeah. So it seems like every time we think that their offense needs to start rolling against a bad defense, it doesn't. But you saw them against Oregon and Utah, especially in the first half against those teams rolling. Yeah. And that's, that's and those the are the two part, of the best right? defenses in the pac 12. Yeah. yeah and, and it's so backwards of how we would think that this team should be, should be rolling. Yeah. And I wonder what that stems from. Um, again, Peter- getting up for a game maybe. Yeah. And you'd hope that that's not the case. Um, I don't love uh, him blaming most of it on execution. That's the first thing that Peterson talked about. Um, because if there's a if there's an execution problem and it keeps rearing its ugly head, 
then there has to be some changes. And we did see some changes on the outside with a decreased role for Bocelli and an increased role for Puka until he got hurt and Terrell Bynum. However, if those, if, if the offense isn't able to execute those plays, it, uh, it's, I guess a question that comes from that would be then what plays would this offense be able to execute in those crucial moments? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Is agree. it a coaching issue or is it an execution issue? Uh, I mean, you get execution from coaching, right? Yeah. Isn't that what you're doing all spring and fall ball is, is, is spring you're working fundamentals and then fall you're working execution. Yeah, um, I think so. And I'm just wondering, I'm wondering what went right, especially in the first half of that Utah game and the Oregon game where Washington was able to move the ball um, effectively against two really, really good defenses. But yet when they play Oregon State or Stanford, they really struggle. I don't know. The other side of the ball, this offense, you know, it's led by senior quarterback Steven Montez, who, you know, Husky fans should remember from the 2016 Pac-12 championship because that's a true yeah. freshman. He came in and uh, played most of the second half after um, Sefa Lufa went down with that ankle injury. And played pretty well, too. He did. Uh, and I thought that he was eventually going to become quarterbacks in the Pac-12, and that necessarily didn't happen for him. He shows flashes of being... An NFL player, he shows flashes of, you know, maybe we Colorado should be looking to the future. Um, but overall, this total offense, they're 67th in the nation. Um, they're right behind UW at 61st. Uh, they uh, average about 400 yards a game. Rushing, 77th in the nation. That's where they struggle a little bit more, getting about 153 yards a game. And then they're passing, uh, they're passing offense. 55th in the nation and Washington's really close to him at 51st. So there's a, there's a lot of correlation between this Colorado offense and this Washington offense that they're very similar where they're, they can be a little bit streaky. Isn't that funny though, that Colorado has been extremely streaky all year, but so has Steven Montez. Yeah, It's like Colorado goes where Steven Montez goes. It absolutely is. And that's because, you know, the running game, as shown, is is a about a, a, a middle of the road kind of rushing team. They're honestly their skilled players are outside, and so if Steven Montez when is not pressured and is playing well, they're able to to rack up some yards and score some points. But if he's rattled or he plays poorly, this offense looks abysmal. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jake, what are some defensive players to watch from an offensive perspective? You know, really. Defensively for Colorado, you can really only say there's one, yeah. and that's linebacker Nate Landman. Yeah. Uh, dude's pretty good, actually. He's second in the Pac-12 in tackles per game at 10.2, right behind Evan Weaver, who's like at like 13. He's and you know everybody else is kind of like a landslide right. behind Evan Weaver, but uh, Nate Landman is is not putting up bad numbers by any means. He has a couple of sacks on the year. He has a couple of pass defenses, but he's definitely the run stopper for this defense. And where this defense goes is pretty much based off of him. If he's having a good game, that defense is playing all right. If uh, if you're able to get a helmet on him and get him blocked, you're going to gash this team for big yards. 
because outside of him, there's not a lot of talent running around. Our offensive line needs to focus on getting a helmet on that guy because if they do, Savon Ahmed and Richard Newton and hopefully Sean McGrew could have potentially big days. Yeah, um, you kind of got the tough one because there's not a lot of star power on that. Um, there's not a lot of star power on that defense no not at all (laughs) yeah that is it and he's like he's like chris rock in the longest yard he's like half a star (laughs) (laughs) i just man if if washington doesn't have a good game offensively here there's some major red flags um i mean washington is really fortunate in they're playing the worst defenses at the end of the year, Oregon state, Colorado, and then Washington state. But if they can't show that they can be consistently putting up points and racking up yards on these defenses, there's a, there's a real problem, a systematic problem that needs to be addressed in the off season. If say, if Easton struggles this week, are Husky fans losing their patience when, with him and hoping that he does go to the NFL? I don't think so. I, I actually, from the boards that I'm reading on Twitter and things like that, which isn't most fans, but a lot of the blame is going more towards the coaching staff. Of course, Bush Hamden, because he's the offensive coordinator and he's the easiest yeah. one to target. However, I think sure. that there's some um, wisdom in seeing that this offense outside of that really, really good 2016 year when you have John Ross and Dante Pettis has struggled a, a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah. a lot of Husky fans had a lot of ire towards Jake Browning towards his senior year. Um, we were we were critical of him in some points. Uh, there was a lot of finger pointing at Jonathan Smith when he was here uh, because, of course, he's the offensive coordinator. So I don't know the answer to that. People can see Eason's arm talent. And even when Yogi was on with us, he talked about how you can see the NFL potential, but he thinks that he needs more game reps. So that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. I mean, his, his college career has been a little limited. He transfers to a new team and, and yeah, he's the starter, but it's a whole new system, whole new coaching. Um, I'd like to see a little bit of, um, you know, a, a little bit more in one system and, see what he can do with the football next year. So. Yeah, I think if I was – I'm on team comeback, and it's not just because I want him to come back because it makes Washington a better team. Yeah. Um, I loved what Yogi said is you only get drafted once, once. And, right. Uh, that's – Once, once? That's what he said. Because you only get drafted once, <laughs> and it's once. So yeah. you get drafted yeah. once, and it could be a first-round pick or it could be a second or third-round pick when it comes to Eason and his talent. And um, when he was talking about that, actually, you know what my mind went to was uh, Richard Lewis. Really? Yeah. You remember that? You know, he coming out of high school, uh, he was they they said he was going to be a first round pick. So he was in the green room, doesn't get selected. They have video of him like crying, hands up getting picked by Seattle in the second round. And not that Jacob Eason's going to cry if he's not a first round pick, but that kid's draft experience was not good. Mine, mine wanders to, uh, I think it was Brady Quinn. He fell. Didn't they take him? Didn't they take him out of the draft the green room? Yep. Um, yeah. And they put him in the back yeah. room. Cause he was melting. Yeah. That was, that was tough to watch. Even though I didn't like him. Well, uh, he went to, um, Notre Dame. So Cleveland and Cleveland. Yeah, yikes. Where NFL dreams 
die. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Have you seen those Baker Mayfield memes with his mustache? <laughs> like what, what Cleveland will do to you in six uh, months? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and tell me about uh, some offensive players to watch. So, obviously, we already talked about Stephen Montez a little bit. But it's worth repeating that the offense runs through Steven Montez. It's got he got really similar numbers when it comes to yards to Jacob Eason. The big difference between Eason and Montez is their interceptions. Um, Montez has yeah. 14 touchdowns to 10 interceptions, and that's not going to yeah. cut it in today's uh, football. Right. So the the one that sticks out the most is that terrible performance against Oregon where that offense looked inept Montez looked lost and he looked really frustrated uh, which I've seen him get flustered before Uh, him and Miles Bryant went at it quite a bit last year he's definitely has a fiery attitude and there's definitely some um, some positives but there's definitely some negatives to that if you can get under his skin and I think yeah. Oregon did that. Washington did it last year, and they weren't able to move the ball. And then, of course, the other one that we have to look out for, Jake, at the beginning of the year, you said this was the best receiver in the nation, and that's LaVisca Chanel. I don't know if you're necessarily I still wrong. think He's talented I, enough. Yeah, I still think he has the, the potential to be that. He just can't stay healthy. That is the big deal. And, you know, we had the, uh, the read option guys on, and – that's what they talked about. They weren't big LaVisca Chenault guys because they think the most important ability that a player has is dependability. And uh, LaVisca Chenault has, he's played in nine games. However, in some of these games, he logged very little attempts. Uh, ASU, he had one catch for 23 yards and that's it. He had three catches in the opening game. That doesn't, that's not a big deal, but you know, four against Washington state, a bad off defense and four against Oregon. That's just, that's not what you expect out of a number one guy. Um, right. He did have a big, a, a good game last week. He had eight catches for 91 yards in the Stanford victory. So he still has the potential to, to get some things done. He absolutely torched USC for 172 yards 71 of those came on one catch, but still he's, he's a dynamic player if he's healthy and he's good to go and Montez can deliver the ball to him. He's scary. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, I came into the season thinking that he was the best receiver in the nation and he's not even the best receiver on his team this year. And, you know, and that's just based off of numbers. He's, He's second on his team in receiving yards. But like you said, dependability goes a long way. And especially with an offense that's reeling, a, a type of player like Lubishka should could come in and really kind of give a spark for this offense. But he just hasn't been there to be that guy. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to having our secondary play against him because he is healthy and he is active. So I, I'm really looking forward to see if, if uh, Keith Taylor kind of shadows him, we we kind of talked about that last week as well with Oregon State. This team is just so loaded in cornerback that they don't really shadow. Right. But I would like I would like to see Keith Taylor on on Chanel all game to to kind of see a comparison of how Lavishka is as a receiver versus a top tier corner, and vice versa with Keith Taylor seeing how he is as a, a, a number one lockdown corner 
against a talent like LaVisca Chenault. Yeah, and we'll see if they do that. Um, my assumption is, is I don't think that they're going to do that just because I, I don't know how much he's going to be on the field. They There's been some times this year watching Colorado where there's a situation where it's like LaVisca has to be on the field and he's not. I don't know how to make sense of that. So I guess we're going to see what they decide to do. Um, I think that they're going to have to obviously uh, focus on him when he's on the field. We'll see. That's, that's the, that's the matchup that I'm most curious about. So Jake, who's your offensive player to watch this week? I'm going to go with Savon Ackman. Yeah. Savon's averaging 98.4 yards a game. I'd like to see Savon at over a hundred yards per game. He needs to get 114 yards to get to that point, and I think he probably has a pretty good chance against this defense to do that. I think he could hopefully break the 120 mark this week, which would put him up in the you know up into the 100 yards per game mark and really carry this team. 120 yards, two touchdowns. That sound about right to you, Trev? I would love to see that. That would just just the momentum that would carry and. You know, this Colorado game is really exciting, but, you know, I'm we're, I'm looking forward to the Apple Cup because I can't. I don't have to focus yeah. on anything. And, right. And how many running backs <sighs> in the last 10 years have struck the fear of God into Washington State? You know, the one that I loved the most was Bishop Sankey because Bishop Sankey was supposed to go to Wasu, and then he just dominated them in that series, yeah. only losing the one game. And, of course, Miles Gaskin, who has been the MVP of the uh, – Apple Cup for the last few years. So for four years, never lost. I ain't losing to no Coog. So yeah, and I'd like to see. I'd like to see Savon have the same kind of career success against Pullman, Miles Gaskins had, and I'd like to see him going into the game with averaging a hundred yards per game, and then padding those stats against Wazoo because that's that's what you know you're going to be able to do against Wazoo. So if you can get your stride running with this offense, with these running backs right now, and then carry that over to Wazoo, and that's a really good point that you brought up, Trev, is getting this offense right for that game because you want them. You have to beat them, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think he – and, I, you know, you could even make a case for Richard Newton as well because he's been back for one game. It's the week that they start giving, feeding him a couple more touches, saying, hey – go get right because we're going to need you in the red zone for that Cougar game. I mean, well, if Washington can really try to take um, Landman out of the game, that could be a really big day on the ground for Washington. Yeah, you know, and this offensive line is so built for these last two games. You know, just a bunch of road graders that want to go out there and push people around. And these are the two games that they're going to be able to do that. And I want to see that from this offensive line. Yeah, and they really – they start – Oregon State, they – they road graded. Um, yeah. So I'd really like to see that continue. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would like to not see Easton throw the ball around. You know, I, I think it'd be good for him to get some confidence, but I also don't think that we need it for these last three games. We didn't need it in Oregon State. I don't think we need it versus Colorado. I know we don't need it versus Colorado. And if our running game is right, I don't think we need it against Wazoo either. Just get that running game going and and start hitting people in the mouth. Tell me about your defensive player to watch. I think it is mainly because I'm on the Colorado preview notes. But (laughs) I I do think it's a great choice, isn't it? uh, I mean, yeah, just because he's been balling up. That's right. Um, So, of course, it's Joe Tryon. 
Joe Tryon had a monster game against Utah, and he followed it up with an even better game against the Beavs. In the last two games, he has 13 tackles and four sacks. So he's yeah. coming into his own as a dominant pass rusher. And with the offense so focused on Steven Montez, Joe Tryon could be that X factor to take them out of their rhythm. Yeah, and, and I, I feel like he's finally putting all of his athleticism yes. and playmaking ability all together right now. I mean, the last two weeks, it seems like we've seen a completely different Joe Tryon, and it's the Joe Tryon that we've wanted to see for the last two years. And honestly, dude, the, and I talked about it uh, in our postgame wrap of Oregon State, when he made that tackle on fourth and two or three when the uh, running back came out into the flat, that was mm-hmm. when I was. I knew that Joe Tryon had become a uh, a well-rounded college football right. defender. So I'm yeah, expecting absolutely. more. Of that. It's absolutely, yeah, totally. I I can't wait to continue to watch him just because it seems like he's just putting it together right before our eyes. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So Jake, what's your prediction for the game? Mm, I'm gonna go on the conservative side and say thirty-two uh, fourteen. I think uh, I think Savon gets two touchdowns. I think we're going to see Richard Newton in the in the red zone get a touchdown, and I think that we're going to see Jake throw for one. Um, I and then uh, you know our boy Peyton Henry, he's going to he's going to get catch back on fire, and uh, he's not going to miss a single thing. Uh, he's not going to win the Heisman because he's not perfect anymore, but he's going to get well, back to that the, form for his uh, for the next year's campaign. Right, and and the good news is that he wasn't just suspended for two games for uh, taking some money, so that's not why he's going to lose the Heisman. <laughs> hey, we run a clean ship over here in Seattle. Right. What's yours? Uh, I'm going to go 24-10. Uh, I had it 24-7 originally. I decided to change it because this team still is a bend-don't-break team. And I think that they could give up uh, at least one um, field goal. I could also see it being like a 24-9 game where Colorado moves the ball a little bit and uh, they're able to kick a few field goals. But after the dominating performance against Oregon State, where I think Oregon State's offense honestly might be better than Colorado's. And, you know, the only points that Oregon State scored was on defense. So I think this Washington defense is in for a really big game. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I think Oregon State's offense is more efficient, not so unreliable as Colorado's offense. And I I think you made a really good point earlier that when Montez gets rattled, you see guys that like Michael Jordan is a really good example of guys talking in his ear and he doesn't hear the noise and he lets it fuel his fire and he plays better when people are chirping at him, right? Mhm. Uh-huh. Steven Montez to me is the opposite when he messes up one time and miles Bryant gets in his ear and starts getting in his cage a little, you see Steven Montez absolutely shrink. And that doesn't bode well for a division one college football quarterback in the pac 12, because there is a lot of defenses in this, in this conference that are absolutely going to eat breakfast off of you shrinking like that. All right, Jake. You had yourself a redeeming week last week. I didn't. We didn't record it, but we talked about it. Jake went five and zero. I went zero and five. We're first time ever. We're first time ever. And for anybody that knows this podcast, knows that's an absolute lie. But for the sake of listenership and us closing that gap, 
that's what we're going to go with. So what we're doing, what I've just decided this, uh, just because I can, um, we're going, I won the first part, but these last two weeks, Jake, I'm going to give you a redemption shot. So, if you whoa, think, whoa. So I start, I started five and oh, we're starting from last week, right? No, we're starting. I'm o five and oh, no. I'm five. That's how I heard it is I'm five and oh, and you're own five. So I was going to allow that lie to go because I was like, I want to give Jake a bone here. <laughs> but now that we've uh, we've divulged our secrets, uh, we're going oh and oh for the next two weeks. And you're going to see how you can do. OK, and we're Jersey betting on this. This is your redemption song. <laughs> OK. All right. So first up, Jake, we have uh, UCLA headed to USC. U.S. the number twenty-three ranked USC Trojans. Weird. Boy, that's a load of crap. Well, you know what? That debate we had last week, where we talked about the bowl game, uh, at least according to the selection committee, you were right. Yeah. So, told you. Uh, UCLA travels to USC. USC is a fourteen-point favorite. Jake, what do you think? I'm going to take USC to cover. Okay, I am too. I think that this is UCLA's last. You know, they're four and six. They got to win out. I don't see it happening. I think that no, Chip Kelly's going to shrink. Yep. And Keaton Slovis is playing really well. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, next up, we got Cal headed to Stanford. Um, Cal's looking to become bowl eligible. Stanford's looking to stay alive. They have to beat Cal and then uh, beat Notre Dame. So, uh, yeah, they're in trouble. Um, so, Jake, what do you got? Stanford uh, is a two-and-a-half point favorite. I think – that Stanford knows that their bowl season's over. And I think Cal is going to fight and play really good defense. And I think Cal's going to win. I'm re- I'm really mad right now. I thought you were going to take Stanford. I'm also taking no. Cal. I, j- I, can't, I, I can't take Stanford ever just because they're kind of like Colorado. I don't know what they are. Next up, we got number six, Oregon traveling to Tempe to take on the Sun Devils. Oregon is a 14 and a half point favorite. Oh, unfortunately, I'm going to take Oregon. Yep. Arizona State is playing really, really poorly. You remember when we talked about how, like, they never lose a game by more than seven points? Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah, they did. And are we just going to go and tie each other the whole way? Like, I don't know, dude. I, I, I haven't I, I can't redeem myself. <laughs> I mean, you put a jersey bet on the line, so I don't want to lose it. So, Right, right. This okay, is a double or enough. nothing anyways. Um, let's see yeah. here. We got Oregon State headed to the Palouse to take on the Cougs. The Cougs are a ten and a half point favorite. Whoa! I'm going to take Wazoo. All right, now we're now we're cooking. I'm taking the Beavs. Okay. I'm thinking the Beavs are going to win that game. They looked pretty good last week. Well, Washington State's defense is about as bad as good as their offense is good. So uh, yeah. I think that Isaiah Hodgins might have a million yards in this game. I, I just think that between the two, it, you're going to see not to the same extent, but that UCLA game where it's just a ton of scoring. And I think Wazoo's offense is better than Oregon State's. I guess we'll see. If uh, okay. Hamilcar Sheet gets in there, there's going to be some problems in the backfield for the Cougs. That guy's <laughs> dominant. Yeah, he's pretty good. All right, now we got the number seven Utes headed to Arizona. Utah is a 22-and-a-half-point favorite. Arizona Whoa. is literally the worst defense uh, almost in the planet. Yeah, you know, and Utah's offense is super efficient, man. Yeah. 
I really like how they play the game. Tyler Huntley is, I mean, I watched him play UW's defense and only through to the wide open guy. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there's always a wide open guy for him. He's, he's, he's done really good at progression, you know, reading his receivers, going through his progressions. He's playing amazing. And then you back that up with a really good running game from Zach Moss. I got to take Utah, man. Zach Moss could have 200 yards in this game. That Very that Utah offensive line is going to pound that Wildcat defensive line to dust. I oh, I don't see. Good. Sorry, it's it's after nine o'clock. I'm I'm getting a little dark. <laughs> that was a little kinky. Fourth and inches after dark. <laughs> uh, all right, and then of course the last game we both Washington is a fourteen point favorite, and we both have Washington covering that. So, Jake, man, I'm so excited for next week. We've got the Apple Cup coming up. Um, on our preview show, we have a super-duper special guest. I'm, we got Mario Bailey. Uh, I, <laughs> man. Wow. I mean, no buildup or nothing. I, it was just, hey, here, here it I is. I can't believe it. Uh, Mario Bailey's going to come on. <laughs> He's going to talk about his perspective on the Apple Cup, his experience. We're going to really try to get through the, the football life journey that is Mario Bailey, one of the most iconic players. Uh, and by, in my opinion, the most iconic play. And do you call that a celebration? Yeah, you call that a celebration. Here's the thing. That's he, a, he has Because he also has the bow. Yeah, but when I think of one, oh, sure. an iconic moment oh, it's the Heisman. from a celebration, it's the Heisman pose. Yeah. When he flexes on Desmond, that's why Desmond Howard hates you, Dub. Yeah is because he got flexed on by Mario Bailey. Absolutely. Who, by the way, Mario Bailey is better than Desmond Howard. I'll take it, man. Every, J- every day. Jake, what's your, uh, what's your take on this, man? Well, when you told me, th- I'll, I'll give a little preview into what, what, what happened when I heard. A little sneak peek. Little, well, yeah, so this, is, this was my day in a nutshell. For the listeners that don't know, I am a construction worker. That is how I make most of my money. The rest of it is off of you suckers listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. I had a really, really, really tough day. I, I was drenched from head to toe from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. tonight. Really cold. My socks were wet. I mean, every inch of my body was soaked. And it was a really tough day. I just got off of the flu, two-day flu, profusely throwing up. Today was my first day back at work. Horrible day. A day I want to forget. I get into my car. I get ready to call my wife. And I see a text from Trevor saying, we just got Mario Bailey to come on our podcast for Apple Cup. And I forgot the last <laughs> week. I, I was so happy to have that news from Trevor. I, this is, in, in my opinion, when I think of Husky football, I think of Steve Entman, I think of Sonny Sixkiller, and I think of Mario Bailey. And there are, all those guys have iconic moments. And having him on this show is going to resonate for the rest of, I, I believe, the rest of our lives. Yeah. So I'm, I am really excited for it. Yeah. So, um, there you go. Go dogs. Go dogs.